Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 117. We're one month away from E3. Uh, my name is NBZ, uh, and joining me on this countdown to implosion is Bali. How are you doing, Bali? I'm very good, NBZ. One month. What? Like it, it feels like E3 2017 was not that that long ago. No, it wasn't super long ago, uh, and this tends to happen. I don't know why, but it feels like we now have these two uh, points in the year, these like two six-month kind yeah. of uh, areas. It's like we have the Game Awards at the end of the year and E3 in the middle, so it feels like it's a less of a weight each time. You know, it's a nice there balance. Is... I do, I do enjoy looking forward to that end of the year discussions and Game Awards. And, yeah, yeah. So you're right, but you know, the announcements, the new stuff, the hotness, the hype of E3, mm-hmm. like it's got its own separate. Uh, joy you might say yeah and it's constantly changing uh even this year sony are doing a bit differently and people are getting mad about it and i'm <laughs> there have been people on twitter who have been like oh i guess sony is skipping e3 like all these nintendo fans who like for years <laughs> yeah. had to suffer these idiots <laughs> on the internet being like well nintendo have been skipping e3 since 2013 I mean, a, lot, a lot of people took the mick out of nintendo but it sounds like uh-huh. people are gradually falling in line you know they're realizing uh-huh. that you can step back from e3 a bit like it's not it's not yeah it's not maybe worth blowing your load on e3 every single year exactly uh, and i think just sony are just in a situation where they announce the universe one year and then the two years afterwards they're like uh what do right. we do we have nothing else to announce so uh i mean it's going to be interesting guilty of that as well but they have but, yeah. uh obviously during the wii u era they announced like tokyo mirage sessions crossfire emblem which took like uh, I, I mean uh, shin megami tensei crossfire emblem which became tokyo mirage sessions but uh and xenoblade and all that stuff which took forever to come out but they were in panic mode and they had to but uh thankfully we're not in that era anymore we're in an era where nintendo can kind of just sit on shit until they want to talk about it um so hopefully that'll be interesting and uh so we will soon be doing the predictions i don't know i think that might be in two episodes from now is uh the episode right before e3 um and right. we'll put that episode we'll, out a bit early as we always do before the we'll, tuesday we'll outline all our plans clearly next episode yes yeah, so next we'll episode still, we'll, talk we'll still about be that. a couple of weeks out from e3 so it'll yes. all become clear Yep, but uh, if you do want to send in some emails, you can do that to, uh, to our email address for uh, for your E3 predictions, so you can get on that. Um, and yeah, let's, I guess, get into the the show. Uh, what are we talking about today, Bally, on the show? MZ, we've got what we've been playing first segment. Second segment will be some listener emails. And then for the third segment, uh, Nintendo got an announcement out of the way ahead of E3, uh, the Nintendo Online uh, service, you might say. Yeah, so they did gonna, indeed. We're going to talk um, about the ins and outs of that for third segment. Yeah, we did uh, discuss a little bit of Nintendo Online a couple of episodes ago and what we thought would happen. And, uh, well, there are things and that it happened. Happened. It happened. It happened. It definitely exists. So we're going to discuss it <laughs> uh, and give our thoughts. So, yes, you'll want to stay tuned for that. And also, uh, we will be announcing the winner of our Backlog Club poll at the end of the show. Uh, I think we'll probably shoot for after E3 for doing that Backlog Club. But, yeah, uh, but yeah so uh, get ready for that. All right, well, let's uh, get right into it then, Bally. What video games you've been playing? Um, have you continued on your Sony Pony bandwagon? I have been playing a couple of PS4 games, uh, but I've not, not said that ever before. So yeah. um, I finished up God of War. Yeah, and if you want to hear like deep thoughts on that and all of spoilers, we actually put up a spoiler cast on the feed, uh, so you can go check that out. Uh, yeah, definitely check yeah. that out. We went super in-depth on everything story related and yeah. i was very I, I won't spoil anything here but i was very pleased with the second half of that game and the story and that led to like 
a nice conclusion. There are twists and turns right till the end. I thought the story was one of the best parts of the game. Like it was solid. Uh, I, I think that it's just that game just kept on surprising me till the end and there's been so much great stuff said about that game and i'm largely in agreement on all those areas uh, and i really just look forward to where this series goes next and like 100 yeah what they do uh and that's just really sort of gotten me into this whole sony interactive entertainment and wanting to play more narrative driven often third person uh games uh, which Speaking is speaking of which yeah led me on to my next game uh which is uncharted one drake's fortune um, yeah so i picked up the uncharted collection uh as well as god of war with my uh my ps4 which of course is the trilogy of the uncharted games the first three games all the uh, ps3 games basically exactly so the first Uncharted came out way back in like 2007. Um, yes, I believe so. And so like 11 years ago, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, it's a huge series that I've been wanting to get into for a long time. It was always going to be sort of what I wanted to pick up and play out the gate when I eventually, because I always thought eventually I'd get something Sony related, whether it's a PS3, 4 or maybe a 5 or whatever. Uh-huh. I thought I'd get there in the end. So this was always one I wanted to try. Other than watching an NBZ Let's Play way back mm-hmm. in about, I don't know, it must have been like 2011, 12 It was 2011 when Uncharted 3 came out. I believe 2012 is when I played it though. Right, okay. So yeah, I watched your Let's Play of 3 way back then and I've my memory is not great anyway but i think regardless of that i would have forgotten anything everything yep. <laughs> anyway so my my knowledge of the story and all that stuff is really all you not, remember is just there. montages of me dying at certain points of the game probably that they were very en- entertaining they were actually yeah. my favorite parts of that let's play uh, was uh-huh. you dying in those gunfights but uh, yeah other than the main three characters of uh, drake elena and sully i really don't know anything about the series uh I'm also really not into stuff like Indiana Jones or National Treasure. Like, I've really oh, not watched. I love National any Treasure. That first movie is great. I actually um, oh, watched it? it again because Giant Bomb have been doing their film in forties where they basically talk over movies, and they were doing some Nicolas Cage stuff. And I like National Treasure, so I watched National Treasure with their commentary in the background. Oh, no. It's basically them just getting drunk, just talking over the whole movie. <laughs> so it's hard yeah. to, to watch it if it's your first time. But yeah, that was fun to see that but film I'm again. I'm really not into those films. I'm, I'm really not into films generally. I've said that numerous times on, <laughs> on the show. Um, so I was, from a narrative perspective, I was sort of going through, I'll talk about gameplay in a second, but I was going through the story thinking, these characters are great, their interactions are nice, but I mean, the plot's fine like nothing's really twisting or happening it's like they're going after this treasure duh, duh, duh. and then like you maybe you got a quarter of the game to go and you're like how are they gonna wrap up this story like what's even gonna happen and i think you, by that point you know that sully's back with you i'm just gonna spoil the whole whole game by the way for people who are wondering Doc, so, jesus so, all right is, let me put a uh, thingy timestamp for the description it's an 11 year old game emmy said i know but like there, there are lots of nintendo people who listen to the show who may be never played them so. so if you're if you're like me a nintendo person it's a long time since until you're gonna play untried i'm putting out the warning now i'm gonna spoil everything all right okay here we go so the big twist that I had no idea um, was in this game is all the zombies. Yeah, fucking like, zombies, man. I was like, what? And like, so from a plot perspective, I think they're great. I think like, 
I, I really didn't know that there was a super, supernatural twist on the Uncharted series. I thought it was very much based in realism. And Guess I what? Loved... That's literally every Uncharted game. It's a enough. supernatural and, and twist. That's, and that's fine because I think it would be difficult to reinvent the story and keep it interesting maybe if it was purely as realistic as it, the first half of the game is. They definitely um, lean away from that later in the series. Like as they get... Like Uncharted 4 is a more serious game uh, and as such like it's less kind of wink at the camera i've murdered a thousand dudes nathan drake uh even though you still kind of do that right um, but yeah this first three games the trilogy both stick to a pretty similar structure so okay so like, i'm i was very happy that like this this like they weren't he wasn't trying to get the gold he was trying to stop people getting uh the gold and it's like because it's the gold is cursed and like that the the lead british villain actually becomes like cursed and then he's shot in the head and then his number two becomes the main bad guy of it right at the end it's like yeah this is is great it's a bad boss fight that i remember being frustrated with it the final boss fight it's tough but i i i it was always gonna be a gunfight i guess so right it's just that's one of those things like i really don't know why they do final boss fights in uncharted games because none of the rest of the game has any stuff like that you know you never fight bosses quote unquote in yeah these games. so it feels like a very video gamey thing that they felt like they had to include you have to have a big final thing right exactly, and it yeah. doesn't necessarily make sense within the context of the game but you know whatever. yeah i agree it's, it's tough but i was it took me quite a few tries but i was fine with it generally um so zombies i thought were great from a plot perspective in terms of a gameplay perspective i was like oh god this is because it really changes to like more close-up melee stuff they're getting in your face and it's really difficult to get them off your back you say melee stuff and they come right at you and you think you can just beat them up but you can't like you have to shoot them they you can't actually defeat them with using melee combat it really Um, twists the formula because the whole game you're just hiding behind cover constantly and like pop shots and yeah and like you're I don't know whether this was on purpose or just the way that it ended up being designed, but you just feel slightly too sluggish and slow. And they really, these are yes. zombies really run at you. Like they're running on all fours. They're running at you hard. And I, I was kind of bet they were bearable for the most part where I'd like gun them down, get through. And it, the, the lighting is really dark. I'm like, God, I didn't realize resident evil was happening in this game and like what is going on. And so I'd get through a wave and then I'd work out next room to go to, but then there's one room you get to. And I looked this up online and it's the only place in the whole game with, uh, infinitely spawning enemies and it's the boiler room yeah and they're coming the out of, like greats and they just keep on coming and i was breaking all my records for like most kills in a row and i'm like <laughs> this is i'm like this is stupid like because I, I thought that they'd run out eventually like every other wave of enemy do in the game and i was like yeah Man, they going because i wanted to clear the room and then work out where to go next like that's generally how the game has taught me up until exactly that point. clear yeah. the room work it out then you move on blah 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 so i was really struggling to like stay alive defeat them all and then i realized oh actually you're just meant to go ignore them and basically go to this other room unlock the gate and then go through that gate and so i just did that eventually and that it was just like man like this game would be so consistently strong if they just toned down that zombie bit i don't even mind necessarily that they're there and like i said i think they add a lot to the plot but like in terms of a gameplay mechanic they just really they feel so different and it's so it's literally in the last quarter of the game or even later than that like last fifth of the game Mm -hmm. and you just by that point you want the story to unfold you want to get to the end you want to plow on and they just really 
really feel like they're, they're pulling you down on that not to mention like they're really freaky and like how, we uh-huh. don't handle that style of like no, horror and gameplay it. well yeah. at all so um it was a bit of a shame but i got through it in the end and i do like the final reveal and then like i said the british guy gets cursed and shot and then the final boss fight on the boat is neither here nor there necessarily but it, it was sure. fine and i thought otherwise the pacing of the game was perfect like i, yeah, really, I was just about really to ask you it. about that like how you felt about the balance between climbing on shit and shoot shoot yeah, outs I mean, and like minor puzzles all thing and certainly a little bit more shooting than i was perhaps expecting there's a, there's a I, I can't even remember any puzzles in the first uncharted game honestly. yeah they're, they're few quite few and far between and it normally it's just like this symbol goes here that symbol goes there um check your map oh it says two five and seven oh, I'd better only find the, follow the numerals of 2, 5, and 7 and ignore the other numerals. So, so it's, it's quite simplistic, but it's it's something. I, I, I quite liked it. Um, I just think there were occasionally some gunfights where there was just one too many waves of enemies and it was just like, yes, right, I get it. That's definitely a thing I remember from the first game. Yeah, but I mean, I enjoyed that shooting combat and the whole cover shooting element way more than I thought I would. And right. like properly managing ammo picking up different guns getting used to the feel of different guns picking up sniper rifles picking up picking off guys from like miles away on rooftops and things like i was really getting used to that and found it really enjoyable um i think that that it takes a lot of patience but you gradually gradually get there and for someone like me who's so inexperienced in third person shooters um i kind of picked it up pretty quickly and got into it i think that some of the platforming maybe hasn't aged quite as well as you might think and certainly going from a game like god of war where you basically can't fall off to a game like uncharted where there were quite a few unclear jumps and like this remaster does actually look very very good but there are still some areas where it's like what which ledge do i go on to next and it's like oh okay right it's that one and some of the signposting on ledges you can and can't go on is maybe a bit weak in parts of that game right and you do have to remember that like this game basically invented that idea so they iterated on that throughout the games and it becomes much more obvious later on like they have the the white uh kind of indication or the yellow indication to like this is a thing you can climb on um and that improves over the series for sure yeah but. and like i'm i'm really looking forward to the rest of the series and i'm really glad i, I played this one. and you'd always said like oh you i'd always go like i'm yeah so i'm gonna start with one and you'd always be like uh but yeah there's one there's one bit in that game pally and i was like oh okay right and then i was enjoying it so much i was like what's that one bit and his head keeps referring to and i was like oh it must be this bit the zombies uh but yeah, yeah i i thought overall it was great i think the story's great the characters are great i got into the combat which i was skeptical of before playing the game i was like, i really hope i enjoy the combat and i really did yeah. Um, they do break things up a bit more in terms of that where you have like the kind of jet ski segments and then like the truck segments where you're shooting yeah the truck i I really enjoyed the truck i think the jet ski was a little bit like stop and start where you're like go a bit stop shoot all these guys go a bit stop shoot all it doesn't feel as smooth where the truck you were it it was driving automatically down the road and you were just just focusing on firing just felt a bit smoother but I'm, i'm excited to see like i said where the series goes i've got two and three uh, waiting to be played and i'll probably play two in the next few months well i just need a little break from the the action adventure maybe and i've got to yeah. be Met- metroid prime in the meantime and, uh-huh. so yeah, i just need like a an action adventure break after metroid prime 3 probably but uh yeah sure. so i've started playing severed and i'll on switch and i'll talk about that next time
but yeah, great. I'm, I'm charted. It's pretty great. It's pretty well, great. Well, Bali, you are well and truly converted now uh, to the church of Sony, so I'm going to have to ask you to leave the show. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> um, we'll, <laughs> we'll never return. Just um, as I come to the party, they pull out of E3. What a shame. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so I've been playing some games, uh, quite a few games, actually. Uh, so we actually got sent a review code from Way Forward, uh, who are very kind to send uh, Shantae Half Genie Hero uh, on Switch. Uh, and I dug into that because I hadn't played that one. So they put out um, Pirate's Curse on 3DS, and that was part of the humble bundle from pirates curse is also on switch actually it is yes because we actually got sent a code for pirates curse as well but like i'd already played it so i didn't download that one and get into it but i hadn't played half genie hero and half genie hero i believe was the kickstarted game uh which they had been doing for a while and people were waiting for it to come out and it eventually did um and so this ultimate edition i believe has like a bonus campaign with one of the enemy characters like risky boots or whatever her name is and there's like another there's like a bunch of like speed run modes and there's there's a lot of stuff in this and i believe if you get like the ultimate day one edition you get a bunch of extras you know your standard kind of crazy collector's edition stuff if mm. you're into that um but i was just playing through the main story and i think i prefer this game to uh pirate's curse overall uh it's not really a metroid game it's much more standard linear levels but the difference is is that you still go back to those levels for certain aspects and if you remember in the other shantae game i had the issue where i was like oh i've got to give this map to this octopus to get this thing for this other guy right it's quite a back random backtracking yeah random backtracking which i wasn't a huge fan of Uh, and the way they get around it in this game is they actually have this place in the main square which is like a tutorial hut or like a hint hut where you go in and you talk to this woman and she says like she gives you basically hints for like what you're supposed to do next so even if like i'm not a huge fan of the backtracking idea the fact that i have someone there who can point me in the right direction of where i'm supposed to go to kind of move on and get the item that i need to progress the main story uh was a great idea like it's something i think they needed to do because i just wasn't a a fan of just going online and asking the internet for what to do it just meant i didn't need to do that whatsoever um so that's cool but like I actually kind of enjoyed revisiting these levels. And the reason why is the main hook of this game is that Shantae can transform into a bunch of different forms. So she can be a mermaid and swim underwater. She can become uh, a monkey who can climb up walls and then sometimes do like a dash off the wall to get some uh, horizontal distance. Um, She can transform into a little crab who has less mobility under the water but can fit into tight spaces that the mermaid couldn't be able to and slowly you upgrade over time and you get like the ability to attack with them uh, and you get the ability to just go to different places and it overall it made it so that a lot of the environment opened up and changed when you went back to those levels Uh, one level in particular has these kind of grooves that just look like decoration on the wall and later on you get a power-up which turns you into a tiny little mouse and that mouse can basically fit into the grooves which just look like scenery and use them as a way to traverse the environment and get to different places so i thought that was a really neat idea that these levels when i first went through them i was like man shantae's level design is really boring because it's just enemies and going sideways and it doesn't seem like they thought a lot about it but within the context of oh, we have all these power-ups and we want you to come back to these levels later, it made so much more sense. Like, I I eventually saw, like, okay, this is what they're doing. This is why they've made it this way. Is so that if I have my elephant, I can come back and bash through this area and find a secret place or or things like that. So 
even though like maybe the first run through of a level isn't super interesting going back to them makes it more so and uh eventually like you get the ability to like warp to different parts of the level uh without having to run through the whole thing so it makes it more convenient and by the end it kind of asks you like hey do you want to go to the final boss or you can go off and do these four different things which will maybe make the final boss easier it will basically uh help you figure out what's going on so i went off and did that and in the process of doing that i'd basically collected enough stuff to where i 100 percented the game just on my own without necessarily wanting to or needing to but i was enjoying going through it so i so i did i ended up 100 percenting it and, and, and running through and overall i like that the difficulty is not as hard as as the uh, other games pirates curse and um uh you know you still have the upgrades where you can make your hair go faster or you can make it do more damage and stuff and just spend money on that stuff which is great um and it also just looks really nice on switch just very very beautiful graphics um just the 2d artwork on a switch screen is always going to be amazing and that's why like whenever indie games come to switch i want to play them on that screen because it's just looks phenomenal so is it the same engine that is pirates curse it's not no because pirates curse was more sprite based this right. is much more like hand-drawn style okay. you know um the the backgrounds and stuff are still 3d renders but shantae and all the enemies are basically like hand-drawn characters as it were mm. so you know like the character portraits they had um in in 3ds game it, yeah. it, basically your actual character kind of looks more like that as opposed to a sprite okay, right. um so so it fits better into the world i guess because like your character portrait and your actual character look more similar um so so yeah it works out well it's uh it's solid i i enjoyed it i think maybe it's a little overpriced for what it is like it's kind of kind of a short game but i guess that's where they have the bonus content like they have the speedrun mode they have all this other modes and stuff and the extra kind of dlc stuff that had come out before and they just packed worth in. picking up on the sale maybe yeah on a sale for sure like because it's 30 dollars i think which is like oh, that seems quite a lot uh obviously like i didn't pay that because they sent a review code so you know that's a, a decision you have to make but i you know i enjoyed it more than than pirate's curse and i think it's a, a good fun switch game to have so if you're interested in shantae half junior hero solid recommendation from me uh, you should go check it out uh i then did a thing where i was on skype with bali and i was like this is oh, always I don't fun know. I don't know what to do or to play next. And uh, I was like, so I've, you know that there's this feature on Backloggery, which is the website we use to catalog all our games, which is called the Fortune Cookie, which if you click it, it basically randomly selects a game from your library that you haven't finished yet. And so I was like, all right, Bali, what do I do? Do I click this button and then commit? And I was like, I don't know if I want to commit to this. And you're like, yeah, go on, go on, do it. You've got to, you've got to play it. If you click this button, <laughs> you've got to play this go game. Uh, and so I did, I clicked it and the game it brought me was castlevania portrait of ruin which was weird because i'd kind of been thinking about playing it anyway and also it was the next game i was going to play through in my kind of chronological playthrough of the castlevania games anyway so it kind of worked out perfectly um so last year i played both aria and dawn of sorrow aria of sorrow being the gba the final gba game which most people consider like the best one of this kind of six games on gba and ds and dawn of sorrow was the first ds game so portrait of ruin is the second ds game um and this one is different in a lot of ways uh so the first major difference is that you have two characters this time as opposed to one um and you can either switch between both of them or you can have the system where you have both characters on screen at once and you're controlling one and the ai kind of controls the other so it just basically helps you uh, attack enemies like do damage while you're attacking but the catch is that your uh 
companion's health is basically your MP bar. So you, if they take damage, like the MP goes down essentially. So you have to manage whether you want that or not. Like if you're going to be using a lot of sub weapon attacks, like the axe or the knife or whatever, or if you're using like some special moves and you want to have a full MP bar, then maybe you don't want to have the second character around. But I found it kind of useful because uh, they would, you know, make killing regular enemies a lot faster. Like when you're running through corridors and you're just mowing people down, I think it's better to have that second person there with you. Um, and I thought like that's a neat idea because they also have these combo attacks you can do, uh, which one of them that I really liked was this crazy knife throw thing where they both just like this splash screen goes on screen. And they both like charge together and just go and they throw out like 500 knives at once. And it's fucking crazy uh, and does a ton of damage to enemies. Um, and so that stuff is neat. Uh, there's, there's no like deep systems in terms of like the card system from circle of the moon or the kind of monster, uh, become like you turn into different or you use different monster powers for different weapons in aria of sorrow like there's nothing like that necessarily that quirky ds functionality minigame things no so that's the one thing is that they kind of got rid of the touchscreen bullshit from dawn of sorrow which uh, i was pleased with because that was definitely the weakest aspect of that game and why it doesn't rank so highly in my kind of view of the series is like after every boss in dawn of sorrow you had to draw this symbol on the screen that was like oh no i have to pull out my stylus and oh god uh and if i mess it up i have to kill it again it was just really bad so it doesn't like they learned the lesson and they kept the good parts of the ds which is hey have the map on the top screen uh which i love you know just having the map on one screen and the action on the other screen really good idea uh, i like that a lot um the one thing this game adds which is a little bit different is a quest system so you can kind of do these side quests there's this character at the beginning of the game who's like stays there the whole time and he's near the shop as well so you go back to this kind of area a, a lot in the game and yeah it seems like they have these little mini challenges that you can go and do and i didn't really go out of my way to do them because i don't think that style works too well in in this game or in the style of game so i wasn't super into doing side quests but it was there and apparently the next game leans on that stuff a bit more so i'm curious to see what they do but uh but yeah that was just a weird thing that i didn't expect it's like oh here are you know some, some weird side quests that you can go off and do but the other thing that sets portrait of ruin apart and why it's called portrait of ruin is it's kind of like mario 64 because within this one castle there are a bunch of paintings uh and these paintings will take you to completely different locations so that's something that they get around in terms of environment variety like one of the weaknesses i think of the castlevania games on ds and gba is they tend to retread areas so you'll always have the clock tower you'll always have the library you'll always have these places with familiar enemies and familiar settings um and this time because they have the portraits you can go to the desert where there are like mummies and stuff and it's all sandy and you can go into pyramids and have different kind of visual design uh, or the circus which is like th- this area where like people walk on the ceiling and there are clown enemies and it's it's all kind of topsy-turvy uh, so i really appreciate the fact that within this one castle even though it's not maybe the largest castle in the series you have these four other like largish areas with maps of their own and like whole areas of their own that you go into um and so that really changes things up and makes it more interesting of like environmental variety uh, i like that a lot uh and then like the end of the game is it, it gets pretty tough but it gets tough in a way that i think is more fair 
um, than in something like Circle of the Moon, which I had found stupidly difficult and I had to grind levels to like level up and stuff. But you know, I I did like the proper true ending in this game, which I haven't done fully for every Castlevania, which is like get the vampire killer powered up, which is like the super whip that you need to defeat Dracula properly um, and face like the final true ending because. Uh, basically there is an ending you can get if you kill these two characters without knowing what you're supposed to do kind of like in symphony of the night where in symphony of the night you don't get the upside down castle if you don't do a specific thing if you're not like wearing these glasses while you're fighting uh richter um it's a similar premise and i think castlevania tends to do that but i did that and i got past it and there's like a whole bunch of stuff after that as well like you go to four more paintings which is still based on the ones you've already been to uh but they're like maybe smaller areas and, and it gives you a chance to level up a bit more and, and that kind of stuff but this is a meaty game there's a lot on the bone here and um i really enjoyed it i think this is now my favorite castlevania after symphony of the night um which i'm not sure symphony of the night is ever going to be beaten it's just so goddamn good and it's so classic and that castle and the structure everything is amazing uh portrait of ruin is now probably my second favorite uh in the series so nice. yeah i loved it i thought it was really really good added a bunch of new different things while also like maintaining guess, the guess we should try the fortune field. cookie again maybe yeah it worked out well didn't it Mally? that was uh that was a good choice there so um hopefully yeah well i might do that again in the near future although there's a lot of games coming up soon so i'm not sure i'm gonna have the time but um Final thing I want to chat about is Fez, uh, which is a game that uh, came out years and years ago. Yeah, uh, Phil Fish, who you know obviously starred in the indie game, the movie documentary. Uh, People are very controversial about Phil Fish. He's a controversial figure, Um, and this game, when I saw it, was like, oh yeah, this seems like a neat indie platformer, right? Because the premise is okay, you're this little character uh, who has a Fez, a little hat, and the idea the gimmick is you can rotate the world so although it is 2d every time you press a shoulder button it will like move the world to a different side and so it's essentially a 3d kind of building let's say you're around and every time you switch it you'll see it like how it moves around and there's a different perspective it reminds me of that look in mario odyssey when in the 2d sections when mario's running around a 3d curve yes. building perhaps right I mean, like the tower i think like when you're getting up to one of the brutals at the start yeah i mean obviously this game is at right angles yeah but yeah. i guess it is that idea of like you're playing a 2d game but you're switching constantly and so there are little puzzles i guess that use that where you'll have to flip it around in order to get up higher like a lot of it is about climbing you know getting higher vertically and so in order to do that sometimes you'll have to flip it to the point where you can you know find the right platform to get up there um and the basic idea of the game is okay there are these 32 cubes in the world and you need to find them all and when you do that you just finish it and and that's it um and there are certain doors which are locked off if you get eight cubes then you'll open up that one 16 cubes you'll open up that one and so on and so forth and um and that was like what i thought it was and i was just going through but i had heard like there's some weird crazy stuff in fez which is like i don't know what that means um and as I started to look into it more and like read some stuff about it and figure it out a bit for myself and also realize that the platforming in this game isn't really that good. Like I remember starting it and being like, I don't really like the way this moves. Uh, I don't really like, you know, I, I hope there's not some really challenging platforming stuff in this game because I don't think this physics engine can really hold up to it. They just didn't feel snappy and fluid like i like it to be and is there like tough platforming later or is it more puzzle based no no because 
So it's really difficult to talk about Fez because Fez is not a platformer in any way, shape, or form. Platforming is basically a means to an end because Fez is the most insane thing I might have played in a while. Um, so all across the world, there are like these symbols constantly. And when you open up the game, you get talked to in this language that looks like just random symbols. And you're like, I don't know what that means. It must be some just weird flavor text or whatever. But it turns out that all these symbols throughout the world are basically an entire alphabet that has been invented for the purpose of this game. Um, And there is one point in the game where you can, if you know a certain thing about the English language and a certain sentence, then you can figure out how to decode this entire alphabet. And once you do that, you can go back through the whole world and use that alphabet to decode a bunch of crazy puzzles that require your understanding of that and it doesn't stop there because then you also have these weird tetris things right these weird like line puzzle things that look like randomization but they're actually input directions for what buttons you're supposed to press so like secret codes almost almost like cheat codes right and you have to be in the certain spot and press the correct order, press the right buttons in order to activate this Tetris code, which will then reveal a thing. And so th- there's this idea of like, there's the normal cubes and the antimatter cubes. And the antimatter cubes are basically tied to all this insane shit where you are ask, like, you're writing down stuff, like you're decoding this alphabet to figure out this question. And then there's also stuff which it does where you walk into a room and there's just a fucking QR code on the wall. And, like, I got out my phone and downloaded a QR code app and, like, scanned the QR code and the QR code was, like, a set of instructions to do a certain thing and that would give me the cube in that room. And it just keeps going from here. There's a section where there are these tuning forks and you stand on the tuning forks and your controller rumbles a bunch. And what you're supposed to do is, depending on what side of your controller rumbles, it's like a code. It's basically like... um what you call it like dot dot dash dash what morse code kind of shit but it's morse code through the rumble of your controller so that you need to like wait until it it stops and then like write down on a piece of paper like left left right left left right whatever and then input that using the shoulder buttons and that will figure out the puzzle and you'll suddenly get the cube and this just keeps going and going and going and you find more rooms with weird shit in it and you'll keep trying to figure out what the hell any of this means and it's crazy and i think at the time this game would have been way more impactful if i had played it then because no one knew that this shit was in there back in, uh, when it was released yeah, everyone everyone's like, just oh, just... based on the trailer like it's yeah. that rotating TV it's just this rotating indie um, platform thing, or whatever right. and it, it's a cool mechanic like i like that mechanic but the game never really does anything super interesting with it because that's not the purpose of the game um and I, ultimately i think i would have enjoyed it more back then because the community would have been solving it together and people have been would have been like oh this is crazy and i told you i listened to like an excerpt from the bomb cast from back when it came out and jeff gersman is just going crazy about it because there's all this stuff that people are discovering um did they like it yeah i think like that's the thing is like as a normal platforming game i don't think it's actually that great because the platforming is not super interesting and it's not super difficult and it's more about figuring out where to go because there's also this crazy metro prime style map in it right there's kind of pseudo 3d and you spin it around and and it's really actually difficult to kind of keep track of where everything is um because some stuff will overlap with each other and Mm. you need to like figure out where you've been and where you need to go because it's more about 
finding places than it is about physically getting there the getting there is the means to the end as i said and so so like as a pure platformer no i don't actually think it's a very good game but when you peel back the layers and find out what this game is really about and like the the major puzzles at its center and the like there's this crazy puzzle which i think is called like the monolith puzzle which took the internet forever to figure out um uh that i myself would never do like personally but i think it's fascinating that this game existed in the way that it changes like people's expectations about what it could be and everything and yeah i i i didn't do all that stuff because i think honestly it's more interesting for me to go look it up and, and not necessarily do it myself because it's all out there now just because it's all out there it's far less fun for me to like lock myself away and try to figure it out especially because you kind of need to be insane to like work out a lot of these different puzzles um so yeah i think at the time if it had been new i would have been much more into doing that but because it it has and i was like yeah okay i finished it and also i think the thing i wanted to do was like i know this stuff is in here but i want to make sure i do some of it myself so i brought up like the alphabet like i didn't decode the alphabet myself i just brought it up on a, a google screen on the side of my computer and sat there in one room for like 40 minutes decoding this message in this one room and then trying to figure out the puzzle of oh it my God. um and was it was it fun? cool yeah it was fun like i enjoyed doing it like some some of that stuff gets a bit menial like just decoding stuff gets a little bit wrote it's not super interesting or engaging but just the act of doing that stuff and like i tweeted out a picture of like an a4 sheet of paper with my random scribblings on it and like ltrt and just like tetris cubes in different places and all of it looks like insane nonsense but uh it was fun for me to dig into that stuff a bit just to get the idea of what people were doing back then to just to crack the code essentially um and i think i got the best of both worlds because like i finished the game and also like did some of that stuff and i know there's more of that stuff in there but i i got the idea i get the idea and it's crazy and it's it's really cool so yeah fez it's a thing it's definitely weird um so you can check that out uh and that is pretty much gonna wrap us up for this segment but don't go anywhere because after the break we shall be back to discuss some of your emails see you in a second Hello everyone and welcome back to the second segment of today's show. It's time for your emails. But before we start, I should say there are two ways to get your questions, your comments over to us. They are of course our email address which is thisnintendolife at gmail.com. That is thisnintendolife 
at gmail.com and of course you can post questions into our discord server so make sure to head on over there post a question and join the chat we get lots of chats going on on over there and it's a great great little community we got going so we'd highly recommend that as well so our first question is from colin h who's from the internet hello mbz and bally i hope you're both doing great Right, on to my question. Lately, my partner has been wanting to take a more active role in some of my interests, including playing video games with me. She is not a gamer herself, but grew up uh, with brothers who are gamers, so video games are not completely foreign to her. I was wondering if you guys could recommend any good co-op games for the Switch that would be perfect to show someone who isn't all that familiar with gaming. Our go-to game currently is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but I am looking to branch out and show her new things. We've already tried Snipper Clips and Overcooked, and boy, that didn't end well. Those games are essentially couples therapy, the video <laughs> game. Anyway, thanks for the amazing podcast. Cheers, Colin. All right. Well, Bally, I think this is your arena because you've been playing a lot of kind of co-op style games recently um, on Switch. Yeah, uh, and there yeah are, no, there me, are some good ones me out and there. Caroline have, have played quite a few now. Um, and yeah, Caroline wasn't massively into games either. She was uh, perfectly aware of them, played it, played some growing up, but then was like, actually, I want to take more of an interest in this. Let's let's give it a go. So we started with Mario Kart 8 on the Wii, Wii U, I should say. And yeah, we played a lot of that. I think it's a good pick up and play game it's easy to get into i'm still surprised that you haven't picked it up on switch yet like i would have thought that going because you there's yeah. a period of time where you're like oh like i'm playing marika every day and i'm like wow getting really the, back the, into it the day that i complete my wii u backlog and unplug my wii u and put it away in a box is probably the day i buy you know what day that is it's the day that super smash brothers for switch comes out right. no longer <laughs> right. will you need the wii u for anything yeah, else yeah yeah no i gotta play that dark siders too that's what's sitting there waiting to be okay played. sure that's, yeah okay dark siders Two. that's the real yeah. monkey on your back sh- shovel knight king of cards is going to come up oh right because you got the wii u version mm, i right. am i am pretty happy that i stuck with the 3ds yeah, version yeah. for shovel knight it's looking better um, now yeah yes it is yeah um other games we've tried then we went from marika into rocket league uh yeah. and it just took off we are a good 50 60 70 hours of rocket league played and we still play quite a lot of it not not quite as much as we were playing just because other things have gotten the way uh but I think that's a great game if you're into that more competitive style. Do you play any Rocket League online together, like cooperatively? We as did a, team? a little bit, and some of, you just you just bump into the most insanely good people, and Rocket League becomes a game that's rather than played on the ground is just played in the sky at a certain point and sure once, well, i mean i don't know how good their matchmaking feel. is right because what they are doing is they're pulling players from xbox and pc as well because yeah. that's the thing it's like sony have their own little pool on the side and then switch and uh, microsoft talk to each other basically so right. you have a bunch of players who've probably logged like two thousand hours on pc who are being yeah. paired up with people with 10 hours on switch which i don't know how well they've done that stuff but i do you do notice because you'll see the the nintendo avatar on the player if they're a, a yeah. normal player and it'll say something else if they're a, like like a it's something i need player. to it's something we need to try more because we like it's there's so many different modes where you can find other players that we i think right. we've not we've just not found our mode and we're so happy just playing versus each other with bots on the hardest setting okay, that yeah. we've kind of not moved beyond that but we should totally give it a go yeah i mean point. like 
it's not that you necessarily want to do this, but like if you want to improve, like I guess playing online against those people will teach you how mm. to be super well, like right. um, controlling in the air and being able to pull off crazy shit like that. Because uh, yeah, there's yeah. only so far you can go if you're just uh, you versus yeah. Each other, so that's so. sort of like the versus games we like to play. But Colin mentions like Snipper Clips and Overcooked. So me and Caroline have played both of those games. Uh, Caroline wasn't as as much of a fan of Snipper Clips. It's a much shorter game. There was some issue, like some screen thing that was making her feel a bit ill. It's hard to explain, but the there's a 3D effect in that game that if you suffer from motion sickness like she does, it can. Mm-hmm so that's one I feel issue. the pain yeah but sure. overcooked is probably like her favorite multiplayer game we've ever or favorite gaming experience we've ever even done together to be honest i think she she really really liked that so colin if that didn't end too well i'm i'm a bit concerned with the whole yeah. thing to be <laughs> honest you've not mentioned um lovers in a dangerous space time but honestly right. if snipper clips and overcooked weren't working well for you i don't think that game is unique in its own sense in a way that um it's still that it's still that sort of panicked stressful atmosphere similar to overcooked where you're trying to do more tasks than you have the ability to do essentially so i don't think that if you dislike overcooked you'll necessarily like lovers in a dangerous space time but maybe it's worth a go um Mm -hmm. what my suggestion would be honestly is and this is something me and Caroline have also done is uh, we sort of just play a narrative driven game together. Um, so I'm normally on controls, but certainly um, so earlier this year, we downloaded and played together Oxenfree. Um, and it's like a short story driven game. It's maybe three, four hours long. And I think we had a really good time with it. And that, of course, that's not both of you playing the game, but it's certainly both of you involved in the game and like she was helping me with some of the story choices i was making and like i think we had a really good time and like that's that's the story in that game is pretty interesting and like i enjoyed it um i tried playing night in the woods with her later and she kind of fell off the story a bit um with on that one but i personally kept going and really enjoyed that game do you um, think that's more to do with the lack of voice acting in that game as opposed to oxen free which is voice acted because maybe it like gets mm. you more engaged and you don't have to necessarily pay full attention because you're hearing it you know to some degree but i think it was more just sort of the themes and things weren't okay. really her cup of tea but uh, right. we've also downloaded uh and it was on a sale recently on Switch, Thimbleweed Park, which yeah, is another okay. sort of story-driven traditional sure. adventure Sure, I game. mean, Thimbleweed Park is definitely more like adventure gamey, right. so I wonder if, like, working together to solve puzzles and that kind of thing could could be a good thing Yeah, well. yeah, and, like, I've already said to her, why don't you play this one and I'll sit and, like, play it with you and watch with you and things, so honestly colin like if the whole co-op gaming versus gaming thing isn't working i think story driven narrative driven uh experiences often shorter ones perhaps just to start out that formula see if it works um i think could work really well uh maybe the telltale games i know that there's a couple on switch i've not tried them yet but that's something right I'd, yeah i'd like to try now that i own a ps4 i'll probably play those in that format but we'll just because it'll probably run better oh um, for sure 100 percent. yeah um what are the narrative driven games i don't know there's a few out there but like yeah. I, I think also you can think about things like um even you know mario kart double dash where i remember i often played the role of item person when we were younger when you were driving you know right like having that kind of less pressure but also still playing a role like you can knock into people on the side and, and stuff like that so if you're looking for an older game which may potentially come to switch depending on how nintendo does that stuff uh, yeah yeah and cool, like but... hopefully there'll be more co-op games that come to switch um i'm 
I'm a little surprised Snippercrypse didn't work because that's definitely a much slower paced game where there's less pressure and it's more creative and slower paced and imaginative and you can just you can experiment and do things so yeah but i, I don't know maybe try those games again Colin. i'm not sure but uh like i said try some story driven stuff maybe yeah maybe that, that sounds could, like a good could call. Be the you also uh recently went through brothers again with caroline yeah, but this time I mean, trying to play it co-op with one controller yeah definitely and having played that game both by myself with you watching mbz and mm-hmm. now having played it with caroline i think I personally enjoyed it more playing by myself. Yeah, because um, that game really isn't built to be a co-op game, despite the fact that you can kind of play it like that. Yeah, I said to her, oh, we could play it co-op. And she was like, okay, let's try that. And I guess co-op, it does become quite simplistic. And that was maybe one of her criticisms of it. She didn't right. massively enjoy the story overall. but Because you're not getting over that hump of like, oh, I need to think with my brain in weird ways to move both these characters yeah, at once. Yeah, and that's kind of the unique selling point of that game to a degree. So, um, yeah maybe try brothers it's it's a good combo where it's co-op and story driven and there's few games like that uh which is sure which is quite nice. yeah yeah um but yeah colin hope good luck hope it works try let us know how you do and we'll maybe throw you a few more co-op games in the future and if all else fails just pull out a contra game because nothing ever yes. goes wrong with that oh my god i can't believe it's just contra that well i mean like contra per- is a little if if uh overcooked and snipper clips are like causing tension my god <laughs> yeah. contra will like break that up really yeah, quickly exactly. like um, exactly. although i don't know when we played together i found like it was more of a bonding like experience you know it really brought us together like oh we've got to do this we've got to yeah you know, figure out strategies yeah. like both I, of I, us together really upper backs up against the ball is a, is a cool yes. feeling but uh, yeah I guess that is a feeling you get in two-player overcooked as well, just maybe to a lesser degree. Um, sure. But yeah, so thanks, Colin, and good luck. But uh, our next yeah. email is from B King, who's from Sweden. Hey, guys, how are you doing? The Switch has an ever-growing library of games with a great variety of genres, although I think that certain genres are lacking still on the system. What I would like to see is a good simulation racing game or arcade-style racing game. Sure, there are games like Gear Club Unlimited, but that still feels like a mobile game to me. There aren't any console-quality racing games. Other than Mario Kart, there isn't a whole lot. On Xbox, there's Forza, which has both uh, simulation and arcade-style racing games in the series, and PlayStation has Gran Turismo. But Nintendo is lacking a series of this kind. With Nintendo branching out and wanting to reach newer audiences, I could see them making their own racing game with real cars and real tracks, much like Forza and Gran Turismo. They obviously want to avoid making a game that can be mistaken for Mario Kart. The problems the Switch has that would make it hard for such a game to appear on the platform are the power of the system and the lack of analog triggers. But if anyone could get around this, it would be Nintendo themselves. This could uh, in turn be one of the games they could release around the launch of the online service in September, if that isn't being delayed any further. By adding a good online mode, but maybe uh, that is just wishful thinking. What do you think? Are there any genres that you think are lacking on the system and what genres do you want Nintendo to try out? As always, I love the podcast. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are great. Greetings from Sweden. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, Bali, I know that you are kind of thinking about getting back into some racing. Uh, You had Need for Speed on Wii U. That was the last time you went into like kind of simulation racing game. Do you think Nintendo would be able to do that? because for me i'm i'm very skeptical about it you know like because nintendo are built around ip and characters more than anything else 
Um, and they've maybe strayed a little bit from that in in terms of like, hey, Mies aren't really characters, and sure. um, you know, Arms is very character driven, but it's like this very varied roster. Um, a Splatoon actually doesn't really have like individual characters; it's more just, hey, you're an Inkling, and you can customize your own Inkling yeah. in that sense. Um, but with a racing game, there's not really characters to draw on if we're talking about things like forza and gran turismo yeah i mean as much as i would love nintendo to try something semi-realistic or at least arcade style driving game in the future i just want them to like stick to what they've done in the past when it comes to racing games like we i'd love to see wave race ref zero and i've said that numerous times on the show but before we start begging nintendo to make their own gran turismo spin-off i'd way rather they just come back with a fresh uh fresh version of either of those series and they are slightly more character driven and represent nintendo better and at the same time tick that box of having a good racing game that's not mario kart on the system yeah i i think that that's what most fans would want overall (laughs) before that and i also think i don't see nintendo as having the expertise in those areas like the reason forza is so good is because the people making that series are very passionate about real cars right like they really know them inside out and they want to put their best foot forward like gran turismo is the same it's like the thing they show off constantly is like look how we've modeled this thing like look how good it looks and compared to the real thing and like the feel of it when you drive it is just like the real one they're trying to replicate it and they're paying real premium prices to get all those like licenses and contracts and things exactly it's just really not in nintendo's sphere of they've not really they've they've got done a few licensed things in the past i believe but nothing to that degree no and and, you know they i think that's not where a lot of the passion there lies is because it's 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 drawing as as we kind of uh discussed about like the differences between like sony and nintendo's uh first party is like the gameplay comes first always and whereas sony is like the idea or the story or the the, like the thing you're building it around we're going to replicate sport we're going to replicate world war ii we're going to replicate yeah it's like just like western third parties generally uh, do that thing better and i don't think nintendo should try and compete on that level i think it would be smart of them to maybe try and get another company on board to make one of those games not necessarily exclusive for the system but like a version of one that could work and the thing is like both those series that you mentioned are both exclusive to the other platform so there's no chance in hell of those coming over so um i don't know i don't know what ea are going to do with need for speed if they're going to bring back burnout but again those are more arcadey as opposed to simulation um but maybe let's move into other genres. Like, what what are the things on Switch that you feel are underrepresented right now? Um, well, I'm sure it's going to come at some point, but it's that that real time strategy game, you know, that Pikmin. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see that back. I think it's highly likely it will come to Switch. It's just a matter of time. Of course, Pikmin Animal Four Crossing. is is almost done, Bali. I yeah, mean, we that know was this. like it's, four uh, years ago. What's it's going finished. On? Miyamoto said it was almost finished, so you know it's coming down the pipeline. We just got to wait for it. Um, but other genres I'd like to see more of on Switch. I mean, a genre that's really, really sort of disappeared in a way. But is I need I'd love to see more of it. Three D platformers, like three D platforming, done well. You it's think so there are three D awesome. platformers missing on Switch because we have Ukulele and Mario Odyssey, and like last year was a big renaissance for three D platformers. A lot of people would say, but like um, Hat and Time, and Hat and Time, stuff, right? Yeah. Which I don't think is on Switch yet, is it? That's just still on PC right now, I think. right? Um, but I'm I sure mean, so Hat and Time will come to Switch, and also Sonic Forces. As much as people think that thing's a piece of shit, which I am, you know, well inclined to believe <laughs> it's a piece of shit. Uh, I don't know. I think there aren't that many 3d platformers generally across the industry probably no no and that that's more an industry thing rather than a switch issue but yeah it's that 
it's the fact that you get your you get your 3D Mario and that's just creme de la creme, really great quality. Odyssey was a fantastic game. I mean, and that's the you, thing. No other company puts the budget behind a 3D platformer like Nintendo does. And that's really why we don't see them on that scale is because the rest of the AAA market is either shooters or third-person action games or, you know, sports or... Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of a 3D platformer, it forces you to be really creative because if you just put out something that's been done before, like, it's really... Like, it's not going to sell and, like, there's so much pressure on 3D Mario that it constantly has to reinvent itself and the amount of energy uh, and ideas that come out of both odyssey and like the galaxy games before that and sunshine like you can keep going like they came up with all these unique ideas for each one uh to reinvent that formula just because even back then the 3d platform formula was under massive pressure uh yeah other genres i don't know i i i'd like to see some more sports games on switch sure like i i think so again... they put out a madden didn't they or a fifa i think they put out a fifa <laughs> didn't they uh there yeah. was the wwe so here's the thing is like right so series. so the 2k series and yeah all that stuff and also wrestling came across the thing that i've constantly heard the refrain is these are garbage ports and they're not putting in the effort to make them good ports uh the wwe game apparently like runs at half speed the entire time it's just a nightmare and that's the real problem here is that these developers are not putting in the effort to make good versions of their games on switch um so maybe that's why like there will be less of them is because like oh we made a bad version didn't sell it's like well yeah it's like ea when the fucking wii u launched and like oh no one bought mass effect 3 well maybe because they didn't want to jump into the third entry in a series which is so heavily driven by your own story choices that maybe some people didn't think that was a good idea ea perhaps i don't know you know it's like constantly that that seems to happen Um, and i know i've just bought a ps4 to like enjoy more open world games but open world games would be it'd be nice to have a few more ports of, of those on the switch that's that's one that i had on my list yeah right. and I, th- I think that's the interesting thing is that breath of the wild is this crazy thing that kicks off the switch and people go wild for it and people are still in love and it's it's still such a big tentpole of the system after you finish breath of the wild you look around you're like okay skyrim great love skyrim have that portably fantastic la noir okay like it's not really an open world game but it's a rockstar yeah. game so it's kind of in that vein and then i'm struggling to be like what else is there i don't know that there is much else right um and i mm. feel like bethesda are likely to bring something like fallout 4 to the platform this year like they'll I mean, probably announce cool, that at yeah. their e3 press conference um and that's great but also like it's another older open world game i'm still um, keeping up my prediction that they're going to have that day and date game at e3 that's going to come to yeah. switch as well whether it's yeah. open world or not i don't know but we'll see i mean so there's speculation right now that bethesda are kind of doing their third um open world uh, franchise which is supposedly called starfield that is hmm. gonna you know be a space-based one because you know you got fallout which is the apocalypse skyrim which is like fantasy and starfield which would be like space uh, kind of space opera type thing which sounds cool i I think that'd be interesting i just don't know whether that would come to switch but again like bethesda are putting wolfenstein 2 on switch a game which is concurrent with the next gen platforms right now you know it's it's on ps4 and xbox and pc and all that stuff um so if anyone is going to help build out that open world support on the system i think it would be bethesda um but there's the gta 5 question does that ever come across um you know how old is um, gta 5 now it's pretty old 
Came out 2013. Yeah. So I think five that's years. It's got to be doable. I think, I think it should be. Yeah. You know, like that's a 360 PS3 uh, era game. And so I think it's possible to move it across. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know the logistics of all that stuff. But uh, I do feel like Nintendo themselves, aside from Monolith Soft and now the Zelda team, don't invest a huge amount in open world type games. Um, right. Uh, and I think that's fine because I think like they have a varied portfolio overall. But the thing is, is if you're bringing people into your ecosystem and you give them something that's like, oh, wow, I want more of this, uh, you should probably try and invest in trying to find more of those types of games to satiate that audience, right? Because mm. like, even, you know, Caroline said like she wanted to chip in with the PS4, you know, partially because a lot of these big open world games that you can't yeah. get on switch right so so that's the thing um, i mean we had horizon so, last year spider-man coming later this year and yeah. dead too this year like it's just chock-a-block with them absolutely and there's more to come that's not even including assassin's creed which of course right yeah assassin's creed is another one which like they could potentially do that on switch they'd have to pare it down a lot um especially yeah. when you look at something like origins which is just so massive and like very very detailed and in a very different way to you know something that nintendo makes so there's potential there but i i wonder if it's too compromised and i don't know how ubisoft like ubisoft are a good partner for nintendo obviously and they have marion rabbits and all that stuff but what about the big the big shooters right now the, the Fortnites, yeah. the overwatches right they they've um, got to be coming yeah, and, and first-person shooters have definitely changed over the years. Like, it's it's less about getting Call of Duty on your platform these days and more about something like Fortnite, like the Battle Royale genre, um, which Fortnite is inevitably going to come to Switch, so I think you don't need to worry about that. That's happening. Like, that's a done deal already, I'm pretty sure, in my mind. Um, and Overwatch is the other one, which I'm like, I wish they would do it, but I'm not sure that Blizzard will. Um, on, on the note of Blizzard, uh, card games are a thing that I think mm. is probably lacking... Uh, and I think the Switch is unique in it's a touch-based platform where something like Hearthstone would work tremendously well, right? And Hearthstone is only on iPad and PC, basically, right? It's not on any other platform, not on PlayStation or, or Xbox or anything. So, so uh, Switch could be a great way to get people uh, wanting another portable version of Hearthstone, potentially, or one that they could play on the TV as well. Um, that could be a thing that they could do. Uh, and then, like, I was also thinking, like, general third-person kind of action-adventure-style games, which you can lump Mario and Zelda into in some degree, you know. Um, but, you know, that, that kind of narrative-driven thing is, is the the purview of different companies, and I just don't... I don't think Nintendo will have many of those popping up on their system. Um, the one thing that I did think was, like, you were talking quite a bit about narrative games in the last email, but I think the more uh, walking simulator style first-person narrative game is one that I think should come to Switch more often. Yeah, uh, And the, Firewatch uh, just yeah. got announced. Um, but you have things like Gone Home and Tacoma. You have uh, The Vanishing of Ethan Carter. You have uh, Edith Finch, obviously, from last year. Stuff like that, I think, Nintendo could do well with. Uh, and they are, you know, obviously they're 3D games, but they're not demanding games. They're often made by independent studios. They're more pared down. They could run on Switch uh more suitably and i i think that those style of games would work well on the system as well 
so a few more turn-based strategy maybe could be nice uh, i think we've got some coming up here we've got wargroove on the go uh mario plus rabbids is already on the system yeah and uh obviously fire emblem is coming this year fire hopefully hopefully we'll I mean, learn more about that e3 it'll be interesting to see if switch becomes like 3ds which was just chock a block with fire emblem games oh one my god please like, yes i will um, devour them all and you know i'm sure intelligent systems will eventually return to advanced wars so that uh-huh. Love for that to happen. But yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks very much for email, B-King. And as I said at the top of the segment, we always need more emails. So please send them to this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. That is this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. We always need more. Uh, that's all we've got time for this segment. But catch us in the third segment where we're going to be discussing Nintendo's online offering on Switch. everyone and welcome back to the third and final segment of today's show in which we are going to discuss once again nintendo's online initiative not of our own volition of course but because nintendo finally revealed to the world their grand plan of their nintendo online for switch it blew us all away bali how are you feeling I mean, it was such a big announcement that they announced it in the middle of the night for most people in <laughs> Europe and like very late at night for yeah. most people in America. And there was no video or anything. It was just an online announcement and it was ahead of E3, meaning that it must be pretty bad. Granted, they did warn us of this. They did say it would just be a website update. So, sure. you know, they said that as a thing. Um, I think I speculated that maybe they would have a little YouTube video to go along with the website update to explain to people so that it would get the message out there maybe a bit more. Um, maybe they need a Nintendo Minute episode to promote it. Oh, no, I'm sure there will be one. Don't you worry, oh, Bally. Of course, I can't uh, wait. They'll be on the case. Your favorite, favorite uh, YouTube host. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, Nintendo Online came out and i think it's basically the barest of bones of what we expected uh, yeah. overall um nothing very exciting i do wonder why kimishima was saying you're gonna you're gonna have a good time waiting for this well he had he had some comment of the like which is like you know there's a i think people will be pleased when they hear what we announce um I- do they just and have a different estimation of how much we I, treasure and value NES games? Perhaps? I really don't know. Like, so here's this thing: is like Nintendo has this insistent obsession with the NES, right? Like 
all the way back from remaking the original Mario Brothers in, in the uh, Super Nintendo collection, all the way up to nowadays when we get the Ambassador program, and it's like, oh, here, here are 10 free NES games, aren't you excited? Apologies for overpricing the 3DS here. Have and let's just cash in on NES some nostalgia games. with NES Remix. Let's cash in on some nostalgia with this NES Classic, you know. It, constant constant barrage of the nintendo entertainment system being the one thing and i think really the reason for that right now is that most people who are in their 30s are the target demographic for a lot of these things that nintendo are pitching right the nas classic is an obvious put out there for that demographic to just mop up right um and nas remix is maybe a thing to be like hey maybe buy a wii u or maybe not and we'll put on 3ds sorry uh And I feel like nowadays, now that we're getting more and more past that, they need to move on. They need to just move on from these freaking games because I am so sick of owning these games that I have zero interest in playing. Considering Uh, there's like not been any way to play GameCube games since the GameCube came out and they just keep focusing on the NES again and again, it's like move on to the other stuff that people would be more interested in. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. is like I really do wonder for for kids who own switches like how many of these kids are going to boot up the legend of zelda and have a good time with it and i doubt that any <laughs> of from them Breath will of the wild to legend of zelda exactly like, right it's it, and i obviously like i think we both respect and understand the importance of these games but i just right. don't think they're very playable today or that much fun right and and that is a you know it's a generational gap it's a divide um but it exists right and it is important to realize that nintendo's core audience if they're going for a younger market um is growing out of that and away from that because they didn't you know have nostalgia for it and didn't grow up with it um and so we have the announcement that basically what they're doing as opposed to so their original announcement was like okay we're doing these three nes games right and those three nes games will rotate out every month and you will only get access for that month but they're going to have online play so that's going to be cool and people were like well that's stupid because if they disappear why would i even pay for this right like if i only have them for that month and then i don't have time to play it that month what the fuck nintendo right so they updated it to be like okay now no you will have access to them as long as you're paying for the service and now we have the idea that we have these 20 nes games only 10 have been announced i'll read through them uh, in a second and i don't know what the idea behind it is whether these 10 will rotate for the next 10 or whether we will stick with these 10 add 10 more and continuing going forward as long as you have been paying for the service you'll have access right so like if someone jumps in in three months time and or let's say three months from when the online launches and gets access to what's currently available they wouldn't have access to what was previously available but if you had been having access since three months ago you would kind of thing so more along the lines of a playstation plus model which means like okay i get to keep these as long as i'm paying for it but how large is this library going to be and my worry is is that with the amount of money we're paying $20 a year that is not enough for Nintendo for the way they value their games to give us and constantly grow a library which is maintained and you always have access to and that's where I worry because I think like as soon as you start to introduce Super Nintendo and N64 and GameCube and you keep ratcheting it up 
I don't think that the twenty dollars for them holds enough weight, and they will try to either up it by having like add-on prices for like here's the Super Nintendo add-on for Nintendo Online or something along those lines. Do you feel like that is likely, Bali? How do you think about this price compared to what they are pitching us right now? Um, it feels like there's a chance that there's going to be Super Nintendo and 64, etc. down the line. But there's equally, there's a very high chance and probably the likelihood that they don't go for that. But because they want to continue the two main pillars of focusing on their first part content and uh, indie games. Right, like, There's yeah. every chance that they just siphon off uh, classic games to the classic collection and release the N64 Classic and GameCube Classic and they just kind of sure. forget about doing any virtual and i mean we can talk about the virtual console name later perhaps but like it, they've have focused on saying like that's no longer a thing they're going to go for this and i think in principle the idea of playing cooperatively online where you can hand over the controls like for the original legend of zelda i really couldn't care less but say that was linked to the past or even ocarina of time on n64 and i, I could like play with you uh remotely at home uh-huh. like that'd be kind of cool and like sure I, but, it's a neat idea the, the question is like would i have to pay more than that than than that 20 dollars a year and mm-hmm. like you said they overvalue their games to some degree and they would probably charge you like a premium price just to play ocarina uh, online and i'm not really prepared to do that if it's included absolutely that's great that's a cool little thing but like as it stands it's it's hard to complain when it is so cheap for a year, but I mean, I kind of was hoping. I'm I'm one of those those people. I'm sure there's plenty who'd happily pay more of a premium for a better service. Yeah, uh, I think that's definitely a, a thing that a lot of people would agree with. Uh, I'm going to read this list real quick of these ten games that we have and see if you can spot the through line: uh, soccer, tennis, Donkey Kong, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers, Balloon Fight, Ice Climber dr mario the legend of zelda and super mario brothers 3 what do all 10 of these games have in common they are all nintendo published and nintendo made there's no castlevania there's no mega man right there are no third party games here and let me tell you why it's because capcom are releasing the mega man legacy collection it's because um uh, capcom are also releasing the street fighter collection they are putting out their games in different forms that are not strictly a la carte virtual console right and the other part of this news is that nintendo confirmed later to other outlets is hey virtual console is dead basically although it's not really dead like i think that name name, it's more that that name is dead like what this service will be will potentially be virtual console anyway and i think there's a lot of weird stuff going around online of people bemoaning virtual console being dead when they're also the kind of people who in the past were like nintendo why don't you just give us a netflix style library and now nintendo are kind of doing that even though i have my skepticism about whether that's true and now they're like oh no why did they take away virtual console there's a lot of um you know uh people just throwing their toys out the pram uh, as they always do with nintendo which you know viable on a lot of avenues and i think that we will do our fair share of that talking about this but i think in that sense it's a little bit weird because quite frankly i don't care that virtual console is dead i think that nintendo can give us a good service i just worry that they're not capable of giving us that service right now um and they haven't shown the ability for them to do so so it's and uh, like my faith in this whole system is pretty poor based on the stuff there's still the fact that stuff like um 
the, the voice chat through the app is still a thing and like that's that was like a promotion that was like this is something else that this 20 dollars will offer it's like what is what are you talking about like that app is horrible to like try and voice chat with people uh and there's just some it's some things that were just really lacking with this announcement and as as negative as we are i obviously i'm we're both going to pick it up probably day one because it's likely going to be at the same time as smash brothers and we're going to want to play online right they're going to hold this motherfucker hostage they're going to be like september this comes out guess what else is coming out in september oh that nice new shiny super smash brothers game that we know we've got you by the balls for so hey have fun with that that's the other thing i want to talk about actually because we had our discussion before about um whether nintendo would continue to make us pay for or, or start making us pay i should say for things like splatoon and it seems like they are seems like they don't care seems like they're like nope you have that for free now we're just going to charge you for it with with really nothing added like actually they've not they're not adding anything they're just saying now you're this thing that previously you had for free we're not improving it in any significant way and now you're just having to pay for it um that kind of sucks you know like what it it's very very weird for them to have spent this whole year and a half of not letting their customers pay for online and then suddenly introducing it with benefits that are like so minor and crazy and some which are being a bit more controversial because like cloud saves for example are the only way you can back up your saves on switch as opposed to having a hardware-based solution right. where you could put it on a hard drive or a sd card did you listen to the nintendo voice chat where they were talking about this and the process of like say right now my switch was stolen or lost or whatever i believe the process is that of course i can get all the games back that i had apart from the cartridge based ones obviously um but obviously i lose the save data and i'd actually have to speak to like nintendo customer support to like log out my account from my existing switch right the lost one and then buy the new one and log in again and i can download all those games for free but i lose um, my save data now with the cloud saves i think that process is the same it's just that now along with downloading the games that i'd previously bought i'd also be able to download the save data if as long as it was backed up in the cloud i guess so you'd still have to go through nintendo even if you apparently had cloud you, you, saves? like you have to go through nintendo and I, I mean there must be a different way of doing this but the idea that say i can't log into my account to multiple switches because that allows me to download free games essentially so yeah yeah i believe it's still the right, case because i because i guess to... um they still just tie hardware to account in a way that is very very asinine like absolutely so far in the past that it makes zero sense like because any other piece of hardware you just log in with your account and you just have access to things yeah right? and it locks it logs you out of the other account perhaps like it, sure. it'll, it'll say like or even that. on something like an ipad or an iphone like it's just consistent between the two like apple don't mind apple are like okay go ahead you own both these products you're in our ecosystem whatever yeah i can i can duplicate a software package that i've downloaded from apple uh, yes but I, well, I can't i can't keep going with that if that makes sense like i've just moved my laptop right. from one laptop to another sure uh and my old laptop had all the it had duplicates of the software on that system but right but i, but I believe when it comes going. to like their um their tablets and their phone stuff you can ha- like my sister on her phone and her ipad will have the same stuff replicated across it right, you can use you. both of those at the same yeah. time um yeah. and 
you know sony will have they have their own weird uh, hoops to jump through and that kind of thing but like my steam account exists across everything like my laptop i just log into steam and it's there and i have cloud saves from wherever just instantly like i can as i said i, I played motor hole and i on my laptop i went home picked it up exactly where i was on my desktop no problem ease of use perfect and that's the thing is that nintendo just have zero ease of use when it comes to their online infrastructure it makes it way too much of a hassle um and it sucks and the, the other thing is is like because we're paying so little for online it's not showing any reason for them to improve their service substantially like we have these minor things it's like okay we're paying for cloud saves which fine sony makes you pay for cloud saves as well nintendo aren't giving us another solution but okay they're giving us nes games right now which it could improve but right now it's nes games and and then it's just like being able to play online and i guess the the other thing that they did say is there will be like special deals right like and one of the things that i can compare it to is if you have playstation plus and there's a sale on the playstation plus members will get a bigger discount than the regular people um so that could happen it's like if a sale happens i could get owl boy for say 50 percent off as opposed to 40 percent off right something like that that would be cool Um, i I think it's quite unlikely but it'd be very cool (laughs) well i mean what else does that mean though right because like it says that special deals will be available for members does, does that mean like more uh, it's probably to access more nes games <laughs> is, yeah does that mean more my nintendo-esque stuff right because uh, like that's the thing with I my nintendo know. is like oh what if the nintendo online the uh, the deals you get is just a higher percentage discount on a fucking my nintendo thing right like how how stupidly nintendo would that be and how perfectly nintendo would that be yeah it's very likely oh my god like just now thinking about it it makes me want to die i can't i can't bear the way they they handle this the one loophole here right is that if you want to be smart about it they do have the offer of a family membership which is a cool idea right like you can have it across multiple accounts multiple systems i mean um, the issue isn't that it's too expensive it's the issue is that it's not very good and this, this sure. solution this family pack is just a way of making it cheaper it doesn't actually yes. make it any better i guess no it doesn't but like i don't know if you me and ali t split that you know three ways or whatever and and you know we can get it for a cheaper amount potentially that's a thing that we could do if we wanted to i don't know if it's a hassle to do that or if it's worth doing that but you know there i'm sure there'll be people across the internet you know with their families or friends just trying to take advantage of it because it seems like it can be taken advantage of and that's the other thing is like i feel like nintendo's eShop efforts and everything have this weird loophole thing where they can be taken advantage of like i can go to any region store and download a game from there i did that with skyrim because skyrim was on sale but it was also like six or seven quid cheaper if i got it from i think it's the south african store or maybe the russian store one of those and but your I just, card worked fine and stuff exactly like and my card as long as it works in that region like my card won't work for north america it won't work for japan as right. you found out when you had a nightmare oh, trying to do mario odyssey nice. <laughs> or whatever it was um yeah. so so like that's great that i can do uh getting around the systems but i with this it's like i don't have any desire to you know it just feels it feels so blase it's just not anything exciting it doesn't inspire confidence it's the bare minimum if they were gonna do 
if there were what's going to be super nintendo games or n64 games coming later down the line why wouldn't you just announce that now with it like that's right, give people something part. to be excited about right. maybe like have some bells and whistles or just say more games on other systems will be coming in future just a line like that would make us be like oh maybe it's not all right and in that case it would mean that more people would want to sign up day one and quite honestly if you're not a smash brothers fan and you don't really play splatoon online there's no reason for you to have this service you know There, there are not many other games that operate online in a meaningful fashion Rocket League is one of the rare cases. Minecraft is one of the rare cases. But those are also games that are leveraging other platforms. The only reason that those two games will have such large user bases is because Switch players can play with Xbox and PC players. And it will constantly be... And they're also really big games as well. So so aside from those and aside from Nintendo's first-party efforts, I don't know that there's any other reason, right? Um, no. So... No, it's a... Uh... And like a hundred percent is like the bad announcement ahead of E three, which is hopefully more full of good announcements. Sure. And if they were really proud of this thing, if they would have shown it off at E three shortly and not, beforehand. they would have done a, di- a direct announcing the Nintendo yeah. Online plans, or they would have put a video on their YouTube channel being like, "Let's break down the Nintendo Online service and what you get for subscribing to it." And they may do that closer to launch. I think they probably will. They'll probably have a right. kind of PSA thing that they usually do with all their new stuff. But it's not going to be anywhere near anything exciting. Is there an outside chance they sweeten the deal at E3? They announce those other games, or it would just be weird timing, wouldn't it? Yeah, like why would they do that when they could have just done it in this announcement? You know, um, that doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me. There's always the possibility, right? Like E3 is a uh, an unpredictable beast uh, unless everything leaks beforehand, which might have happened kind of. There was like a, I don't know if you saw like this Canadian Walmart listing right. uh, of a bunch of games that potentially are going to get announced at E3, which is like, well, that's going to happen sometime <laughs> or another, you know, and uh, retailers are definitely the place where that will happen. Um, yeah. But the my biggest issue with all of this, and I, I tweeted a little bit about it, is how long will we have to wait uh, for anything that isn't an NES game? Because Nintendo are historically glacial at updating the yeah. classic games they have. First off, we're over a year and a half into the life of the system, and we're only just getting NES games. How long are we waiting to get Super Nintendo games? How long are we waiting to get N64, nay GBA, nay GameCube games? I foresee a future where GameCube support gets announced in the year 2022. You know, that's seriously where this (laughs) is right now, because that's how slow they are to adapt when it comes to their classic collection. And I looked back on it and it was, I think, three or two years after, maybe three years after the Wii U came out, that they announced Wii and GBA backwards compatibility. Um, Or maybe it was N64, I think. They really do see Virtual Console, in a sense, and classic games as an extension strategy rather than a strategy that can sell units earlier on uh and uh, like it was so painfully late when we got super nintendo games on the 3ds let alone we never even got game Boy advance games unless you got the ambassador program right uh, and, and that was the weird logic of nintendo during the wii u and 3ds era it's hey let's put the portable games on the wii u and let's put the console games on the 3ds for no reason other than yeah. i don't know 
we feel like it. That, like it felt the, like there was no strategy there whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. There were like random directs, like just saying, "Oh, and here's N64 games and yeah. Wii games on the right. Wii U and GBA games." And they all came at once. And it was like, "What? They just announced." three new systems or something on the wii u at once but it was also like okay here are these games like five games and then let's not update any more of them for like three months and then maybe we'll start putting a few more out but that's what it was it was the metro prime oh. collection and then i think maybe donkey kong country returns or something and it was slow yeah then it was nothing for so long and nintendo just haven't proven to us that they can't fill the gaps with the classic releases and maybe if we're trying to be optimistic, they'll be faster about it. What if, because this is a monthly thing, you can potentially pay monthly for this, right? They should have something on a monthly basis that updates. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to be stuck here for six months with these 20 NES games. And then they'll maybe update it after that, you know? I just have... That's the thing. They could have a great job and they could be like, okay, this month is these 10 and you keep them if, as long as you're subscribed. Next month, these 10. Next month, we're going to give you five Super Nintendo games. Next month, we're going to give you three N64 games. And that would be amazing. In that case, great, Nintendo. I'm on board with your new system and how it's working. But they have, in this entire announcement of this online, where we still have to use the fucking phone app, which is a goddamn travesty and maybe a worse travesty than me. No, not me versus what's the thing that I said is the worst travesty? My Nintendo. My, My Nintendo, Nintendo is the worst travesty. Meverse was great. I enjoyed Meverse. Um, <laughs> the phone app is awful. I, I, they inspire zero fucking confidence from me. Zero. Especially with this whole announcement. So, you know, we can I'm, only go I'm not, up in, a, here I'm not in a great place when it comes to this stuff. I do not think that they can handle it effectively. Uh, yeah. It's... And I just, uh, it's, it's. I just don't. I just don't know. There were some pretty low times with the Wii U era, and it yeah. feels like this announcement is kind of in line with a lot of that. Those. It is like this is this is Wii U era Nintendo all over, but now yeah. they have a system that people like, and so now people are paying attention to them, and maybe people are giving them a bit more of a pass on this because of that, you know, and that's fine. Like I understand that some people are gonna not really care when it's twenty dollars a year. But ultimately, this $20 a year is giving us games that we have owned already a billion times, or it's making us pay for online that was free before, or it's giving us cloud saves and not giving us an alternative. Um, And that, frankly, is... I don't know if it's worth $20 a year, honestly, you know? Uh, So, there you go. There's a... There's a heated uh, rant about Nintendo's online, which I'm sure, I'm sure you saw coming. But um, hey, that's uh, that's what we come to expect here as Nintendo fans. It's always no matter how the good they're minimum. doing, they're always gonna come back and be Nintendo in some form or another. So yeah. here you go. Um, all right, well, I think that is enough uh, negativity. Let's wrap up the show with some some happiness and let's talk about some virtual console games rally because our next backlog club has been decided Backlog five is decided uh by our patrons and the game drum roll please is bally punch out on we that's correct uh so we have uh collected the votes and uh people have wanted us to play punch out on the wii which you can access through the wii u um, <laughs> if you download console. it there 
<laughs> Absolutely, as, as I said. And you can download it there. Uh, you can probably find it in some second-hand shops as well if you're going around. Uh, I think Wii games are still at okay prices these days. So it's maybe a little bit tougher to track down than some of our other Backlog Club games. But uh, hey, if you want to play along with us with that, that would be a fun time. I've never played a Punch-Out game before, so this is my first yeah. one. Same with you, Bally. Um, uh, does it have the, the traditional racist stereotypes i'm sure it does that is the foundation upon which punch out is built uh so so i think they tone them down much more i believe i believe reading that as well but uh, we'll be the judge of that we will be the judge of that for sure uh so uh, i don't know when we're going to be doing that the plan is probably after e3 just let the yeah we'll say for now deadline is sometime after e3 after e3 more specific date uh but rest assured this is a much shorter game than final fantasy 6 uh so if you didn't want to participate in that because it was a mammoth rpg that you couldn't commit time to and thank you everyone uh, for voting yes i think this new democracy for our backlog clubs could could uh, be a, a new a new thing that takes off sure and uh, we're also going to keep those other two games in the pot for next time potentially and maybe throw in a different one uh, right. and, and rotate around and see uh, but uh, there's a potential we play those uh, in the future for a different backlog club but for now we're playing punch out and we look forward to it get ready get downloading all that good stuff uh and then uh, we would also like to thank our patrons uh, our top patrons bally if you would yes i would like to thank our two ten dollar tier patrons they are of course my girlfriend caroline and atari alex thank you so much for your top tier support absolutely and thank you to all our patrons uh, who help us get things done over here on the podcasting world it is so wonderful um I think the British Podcast Awards things has ended. So uh, well, thanks thank if you voted for us. I don't, we'll, I don't think we'll, so. Here's the funny thing: I listened to the red carpet. I listened to BBC's uh, film program with Mark Comode and uh, Simon Mayo, and uh, and they were they were like, "Oh yeah, let you, you go. You should go along to BritishPodcastAwards.com slash vote." And I'm like instantly like, "Well, they've won because uh, I think they actually won last <laughs> year." Um, and you know, kudos to them because they are uh, outside of they are my favorite non-video game podcast. Oh, the film the film cast won last year. It was Mark Kermode and Simon oh, Ayer's right, film cool, review right. show on BBC. Film review. They won. Uh, and they will probably... I, they probably won this year as well. I wouldn't be surprised. They're a very popular show. They're very worthy and deserving of that. So well done to Before them. Before we move on from Patreon, we should announce we have a very special TNL Takes episode coming out a week from yes. when this goes live. So to yes. all our $5 tier supporters uh, and above, our next episode of TNL Takes will focus on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've mm-hmm. both been watching, uh, I certainly have been watching an absolute <laughs> ton of Marvel. This is all your fault, Bally, you realise. Yeah, this is all my fault. And kind of funny's fault. But yeah, I've yeah. been watching all the Marvel films. We both went and saw Infinity War. So we're going to uh-huh. do a big roundup of what a TNL Takes be ready for some hottest takes i will tell you that much and we're ready ready for for me and bali to fundamentally disagree because as as much as we enjoy video games that are similar to one another our movie tastes are so (laughs) fucking different uh and it's very funny so not our our non-star wars movie tastes. yes exactly i think we're quite in agreement on most yeah for sure for sure yeah so that'll be out uh a week today and this episode will go out on monday so monday from from now absolutely uh so yes check that out it'll be good fun time um and uh you can find us in different places bally where can people find you on the internet please find me on twitter i'm at ballyman91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 also find me 
on let me get this thing right is it called the playstation network that's yes, correct <laughs> your there playstation network id you could have put it Nailed out there it. for the people so my playstation id sticking with my twitter theme is ballyman91 b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 so fantastic easy to remember on there you can that's see that's what universal branding does for you my friend playing. yeah i've got it all i've got it all sussed it's it's gonna work out for me so go compare your e-penis to bally by seeing what trophies you have and he doesn't it's always a good thing to do um so yeah people can add you on on playstation that's crazy oh my god what's going on in this world um you can find me on the internet at lord nbz you can of course find the podcast account where we post most things and you can get links to our youtube and our discord and everything from there and follow us at tnl podcast that is at tnl podcast on twitter um that's good it's a place you should find us there it's the Things best get place announced. to go where we're going to be posting links to discord latest uh-huh. episodes from patreon when the youtube episode goes out it all goes up through nice little reminder account. place over there good yeah. good little reminder um and uh, of course you can send us emails to our email address uh, and we need some more we always need some more so bali where can people send those this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com we're in the build-up to e3 it's not far away we want your, yes. your predictions your send thoughts your, predictions your comments in. on e3 get them going we'd love to hear those uh, we'll probably discuss those before uh, e3 of course uh, and obviously we're going to be found in various places on itunes on stitcher um spotify is a thing that people have been saying we should get onto. let me tell you spotify is a nightmare of nightmares to get onto. if the giant bomb cast only just got on spotify let me tell you our little show is has no chance of getting on spotify right now <laughs> we'll get them I'm, in the end <laughs> i'm sure they will open up the floodgates eventually to that service but right now they are very gated on what they put on their service so i'd love to be on spotify uh but right now that's that's not viable so you can find us in the regular places though all your podcasting apps uh, all your podcatchers all that good nonsense uh, and and we're available there so without further ado that is going to end this uh, episode we'll be back though in a couple of weeks time with some more talk about nintendo and all the things they do wrong as well as all the things we love about them because they're a dumb stupid company that we love to hate and we hate to love uh, and we'll see you then so until then thank you everyone for listening and goodbye interludes used on today's show were Scuttletown from Shantae Half Genie Hero, copyright WayForward 2016, and Invitation of a Crazed Moon from Castlevania Portrait of Ruin, copyright Konami 2006.